Hello, everyone, and thanks for listening to the Food Service for Thought podcast. As a separate endeavor from Forbes, Hever, and Wallace, our goal with this platform is to connect all aspects of the food service industry through thoughtful, fun, and interesting conversations with people throughout the industry. While understanding the sensitive nature of our competitive industry, we are grateful for the opportunity to interview guests that are current and future customers of ours, as well as specialists in industry segments that we ourselves are just learning about. If you think you or someone you know would be an energetic and entertaining guest, or if you have a topic that you would like us to explore, please leave a comment or reach out to us directly. Our emails are in our bio. Thank you again for choosing to listen and remember to sit back, relax, and click play. Hello, everyone. Today's guest is Chelsea Capella. She is the Director of Clinical and Patient Operations for Luby's Culinary Services, the hospital division of Luby's Fuddruckers Restaurants. She has been a registered dietitian for over 10 years with a bachelor's degree from the University of Houston and a dietetics degree from Lamar University. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Food Service for Thought podcast. I am Justin. And I'm Carrie. And we are in studio today, and we have a wonderful guest with us. Uh, her name is Chelsea Capella, and she is the Director of Clinical and Patient Operations at Luby's Culinary Service. So welcome, Chelsea. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So, Carrie, I will let you kick this off with our first question, and we will get right into it. Okay. Well, first, I think it'd be cool for everybody to understand, um, you know, when you hear Luby's, you think about, well, I think about the liver and onions because that's my fave, but, um, you know, the Luam platter and that's what they think about, but that's not what you do for Luby's. No, actually, I'm part of the hospital division. We're called Culinary Services. And so Luby's about 12 years ago decided that, hey, we want to make hospital food healthier, better, and not make it really just look like hospital food. So what can we do? So we are a contract company taking care of the food service as well as the dietitian side. Okay. That, and so that means um, a hospital can uh, work with you guys and you're going to do various services, including consulting on their menus. Correct. Uh, sometimes we do consulting. Sometimes we also go in-house and actually take over the food service operations as well as the clinical side. Okay. So cool. a little bit of everything. Cool. Nice. Can you walk us through a little bit about how you got into that with Luby's and then just sort of maybe what drew you to that side of the industry um, in general? Yeah. uh, When I first started off, I've always wanted to do medical. Just I like taking care of patients and that was always my first passion. And then I realized, you know, as kind of went on, like, I think, you know, nursing would be kind of just overwhelming for me. I wanted to still give patient care, but a different way. So I found dietetics and went to University of Houston. I'm a proud cougar and uh, eventually went to Lamar University for my dietetic license. And so I've had a lot of great experience with internships and i Originally wanted to do clinical work hands-on. So when I got out of school, first job was clinical, very large uh, regional hospital where we were seeing 15 to 20 patients a day as a dietitian, a lot of running. And we realized, you know, there's just a very, hospitals get larger and dietitians, you know, we're really trying to grow in our field as well. I always had a love for food service. Um, I had a dietitian that worked with me and she had recommended my, my current company and that they were hiring in, near the med center. And I was like, yeah, you know, like, hey, why not do something different? And once I got with Luby's, I eventually went to become a clinical nutrition manager, a patient service director, and then eventually a food service director. So I uh, started pretty early in my career in management, but um, I will say being on the clinical side, you have a better understanding of what needs to happen upstairs as well as in the kitchen. 
So I was able to bring my practice into the kitchen to really train my staff on proper diets and working with the cooks and recipes, making sure that, you know, the best food quality is what the patients are seeing. So for clinical, how does, what does that even mean? Tell us what that means as far as the patient goes, not necessarily in your role now, but when you talked about originally um, seeing 15 patients a day, what, what does that mean? Yes, um, patients, I had it was about a 400-bed hospital, and there was about three and a half dietitians, and that was it. So we have received consults. We follow regulations depending on the type of consult we receive, um, diet education, skin breakdown, um, maybe the patient's on a two-feed or a critical care nutrition that they're needing a dietitian to assess. And so as dietitians, what we do, we actually calculate the two-feed and sometimes the macro, the nutrients, the uh-huh. TPN, as we call it, total parenteral nutrition that goes into a patient's body to help them recover you know, from the inside out as well. So nutrition is a key factor of life. It really does help heal us um, with wounds, a lot of different medical issues that we have. And so I think a lot of times, you know, the people that help create this in hospitals, it's your doctors with your mm-hmm. pharmacists and your dietitians who kind of join forces together to find what's the best fit for each patient. So, so when you were, when you were there, you were working with patients to determine what's the correct breakdown or makeup of breakfast, lunch, and dinner for you or whatever type of meals that they could support at the time. Exactly. And then that was helping them recover through the process. Exactly. And so the hospitals, the biggest thing is we don't want patients coming back. You know, we want you to get healthy and move on. And so that was always our goal as dietitians too, is to provide education to the patient, work with the doctors and the families to make sure that we're giving them the right proper nutrition, whatever that state might be, either oral feedings or two feedings to make sure that they're safe when they leave the hospital. You know, I imagine it's difficult to balance You know, you have to have almost two brains, I think, from the cafeteria side, which generally is not the patient. You know, sometimes patients will go down there with family members. But that's one thing that's that's a lot of people that are being fed. But then, of course, the many different dietary requirements of the patients. So um, you're here's scrambled eggs, but scrambled eggs, how many different ways for somebody, you know, low salt or, um, egg whites. Egg whites. Yeah. No, exactly. And that's kind of the fun part. Um, I love food. And so that was kind of one of the fun parts I had when I started doing menu development. And that's what we do now is I work with different hospitals all across Texas and outside of Texas. And we build diets that can fit across just a multitude of diet, of, you know, menus, I'm sorry, across a multitude of diets. So heart healthy eggs can go across the board. Um, I have migas in some hospitals. Nice. I do, you know, so, but how we, how do we make healthy migas? <laughs> so, you know, things like that, you know, what might work in Texas might not work in Boston. Right. I, you know, we've had accounts in. So there's different features like that, that you have to customize and still fit a diabetic diet, a heart healthy diet. A renal diet, you know, things of that nature. Because patients, we have to be realistic. They're not going to go home and follow to the T what's fed in the hospital. Right. So can we show them healthier alternatives? Uh, BLT with turkey bacon, you know, leaner beef, mm-hmm. you know, things like that, that they can still have better options. And I think that's one of the struggles that we see in hospitals is just how do we make the menus fit the patients and still give them enough variety that they want to eat the food to then get better and go home? Yeah, you know... Um 
I there's so much I don't know about a healthy diet. I know Justin knows food. He you know he has a culinary background and he knows food a lot better than I do. You'd think in this industry I would, but that's not true. I know the other side of it, the equipment and supply side, and some of the diets that you just talked about makes me understand even more um, how much room for improvement we can do to educate ourselves or educate our children or whatever about there's so many gaps knowledge gaps about nutrition and how it can affect us you know i think about my 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 mom um and my dad and the way they grew up and what they know about food you know they used to say eat your butter bread it's good for you this is two pieces of white bread and you know, amen, I do love some white bread with butter on it, but <laughs> I do now know that it is not good for me. Um, but, but that whole, if, if you can just make some minor changes and you could understand that your, your quality of life isn't gone down, get, get rid of that psychology and be imaginative in how you make something like Migas more, you know, healthy and, it's a lot of knowledge you have to pass on a lot of knowledge. And I guess, do you have to know, do you get to know more about patients as you interacted with them or? Oh, definitely. You know, and, and I, I tell all the staff when we do training, cause I do a lot of training with staff and managers and we tell them guys, you don't choose your diagnosis or your medications, but when you get to choose your food, you, you want it done right. And you want that quality factor. It's the one good meal you're waiting for. Maybe you've been on clear liquid diets and you've now transitioned to a regular solid food. You know, you want those options as well. And so I'm a true believer. Whoever touches that patient food receives education on diets that's your cook to your server to your tray line passer whoever might you know be involved because mm-hmm. they need to understand why we're providing these you know proper balanced meals and why you have to be sure the milk is on his tray you know different those kind of those different key factors that really affect their diet yeah, well, yeah. something that you said i thought was interesting before was about how your the, the menu has to fit the patient or the plan has to fit the patient and i think that's really interesting because i i think even um, outside of uh, that field, the medical field, as people in general sometimes, well, tr- you know, everybody's well, I'm trying this diet or I'm trying that diet. And th- the issue comes back to usually it's not sustainable long term, but to be able to find uh, just the, white w- the, the correct way to have whatever it is in your food and, and how you approach it be sustainable and be a, a balance. I think that's really interesting. I, you don't often hear people talk about it that way. And when we interviewed um, Suzanne Quiring, a couple of weeks ago, and she was talking that 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 the patients that's it's so important that they feel that they have a choice and that they feel that that that's a special time for them to have the meal because, like you said, if they're coming off liquid diets, if we haven't eaten solid foods in two weeks, man, that first meal is going to be pretty good. Um, so that's really neat that you're putting the, the patient first on that. I think that's really cool. And something in hospitals, uh, especially we do, uh, they receive patient satisfaction scores. And so, and you, maybe if you have family members who have been there, they survey you, how's your experience? And they rate, you know, dietary. Sometimes one question is two or three. Usually it's food, temperature related, quality, and courtesy is often a common one. And people always wonder how courtesy is tied into food. And I always give the example at a restaurant. You'd be go to restaurants and the food might be subpar, but if you had a very nice waitress or waiter who just catered to you and was accommodating and understood your concerns, you might Yelp review them three stars instead of one because that courtesy factor really did have an impact because you're letting them have the option to make that choice, to have the better food option in case maybe something wasn't appropriate. And so I think it's the same 
same factor in hospitals. We have to treat everybody not as a patient. You know, they're here, they're for whatever reason, but the menus, you know, give them the options, treat them with respect and courtesy. And again, the patient satisfaction really helps us kind of narrow down in hospitals where we can improve our services. Is it the food? Is it the menus, temperature control, or maybe sometimes just training on staff? The for whatever reason, I've had a lot of experience visiting people in hospitals lately. And one thing that I notice, um, especially with older people, um, sometimes I love the idea of somebody going around and taking their order in person, just like it's, you know, the, the, the room service kind of aspect. I like that. Um, they, would talk to me when I was visiting my mother instead of my mother, you know? And so that changed her experience just that little bit. Um, it changed, you know, she, she wanted to feel like she had control over what she was eating and she didn't. I mean, there, she was, she needed some specific, she had had a, a, a Whipple procedure, which we've spoken about before, but she had some dietary things at the, you know, at the beginning anyway. And um, she loved it when they'd come in there, but then they would tell me, what does she want? You know? And so um, speaking to that, it would, this was not a hospital where y'all were there, by oh. the way. <laughs> no, no. And I, I this wasn't have, even in Houston. So. <laughs> no, and I've actually had the same personal experiences. My grandfather was in a nursing home and it. I made sure every day somebody was there to help him with his menu orders because again, you know, a lot of patients don't have advocates for them. If they mm-hmm. can't speak, he was limited speaking in English. And so to make sure that he did receive what he wanted. And so we made sure we either did the menus ahead of time for him, but we also wanted someone to communicate with him, you know, treat him like a person. Yeah. And so it, it did help improve his stay. He loved it. But eventually, once he understood they were there to take care of him, he was very happy. Well, yeah. and, and even if you said that sometimes patients are limited as to with dietary as far as what they can actually you know, hey, I want this, I want that. But it can be as simple as, would you like a little extra green beans today or a little less green beans today? And just having that choice, you know, I, I feel like go, that goes a long way. It really just does. something like that. No, it, it truly does. And nothing, just letting, letting the patient feel like they have control, you know. And I'm fortunate that I've worked in all types of settings, acute care, rehab, behavioral, um, senior living as well. And that's what they all say, you know. Even the behavioral patients, how do we get behavioral options? Maybe a cold sandwich or, you know, still not making them feel like that they're you know, not available, they can't have those options because they're in this situation. You know, just once, you know, they're taken care of medically, they're just a normal person like everybody else. So you have, you have to know food science. (laughs) Yes. You have to know some medical. You have to kind of some even psychology behind what happens to a patient in a hospital, what, how vulnerable they're feeling and how you can affect that. That's a, I mean, that's a big job. That's a, that's a, and, and, you know, doctors I'm finding don't know much about nutrition at all. You know, I'm very happy to say I've had a lot of really great doctors and I've had some tough ones I've worked with as a dietitian. And I know a lot of them, they want you to prove to them, you know, that you know your, your information. And so, I loved it as a dietitian whenever the doctors would write orders per dietitian recommendations. It was kind of the win. <laughs> like oh, wow. I, I broke them down. Like he knows I know what I'm doing now. And that takes time. So that's why I love working with my dietitians. I have several in the company and that's what we train them on. How do you show those doctors that we're the experts in this field? Because a lot of times nobody understands where these food and two feed recommendations are coming from. A lot of times it is a hospital dietitian who's looking at all your medical you know, factors and what's going to be the best 
best fit for you. So I think it's just there's so much education and research coming out that we're always just trying to stay on top of the game and, you know, educating our doctors, too, because sometimes they do kind of, you know, continue the same old paths. And oh, my gosh. Yeah. We just want to make sure that they know there's so many new things out there, new formulas, new everything. So it's, it's really fun just to kind of keep up to date with the science of it. Can you talk a little bit about you mentioned before how you put a big emphasis on training, basically that anybody that would walk past the the tray of food or the plate of food. So can you talk a little bit about how you approach training with your staff and then um, how you relay that to maybe people that don't directly work with you, but still will impact your your performance or your, your what you do for a living? Definitely. Um, also at orientation, we have sometimes dietitians attending nursing orientation because we want the dietitians and the nurses to understand where the dietitians come from in the hospital. That's something that, you know, we really push to help, you know, give us a few, an hour of the in-service, you know, to let nurses, because I know a lot of people don't understand the roles of dietitians. When it comes to the kitchen as well, I love incorporating the dietitians down with the team. Even if they don't work for us, you know, I feel like it's a team effort. There are eyes on the floor. They can tell us what works, what doesn't work in the, in the units. Maybe if there's a bad feedback coming from one side, you know, and what we can do as a food service program to make it better. So I love just working with the dietitians. Also, I want them to see that we do educate the staff. And really with the staff, I like to relate to them, you know, real life scenarios like guys, how many, you know, sometimes we have diabetic employees or, you know, their family members are, you know, is that your mother upstairs? You know, to try to hit it, hit it home from them sometimes kind of helps them really like, take it to heart. And, you know, and this is kind of really just educating and re-educating, just kind of making sure that they're aware that, hey, you know, we're making their stay the best it can be. Because sometimes this is the best food they're ever going to have is in this hospital. With a lot of our counts, you know, unfortunately, they, this is the best meals they've told us. And, you know, we want to be sure if it's the best meal, we're doing it right. You know, one thing I think you probably um, could speak to when you're doing training with your dietitians or the staff is shaming or not shaming somebody, you know, especially um, I, I not too long ago visited a hospital where there were a lot of people who had uh, bariatric surgery. And I'm impressed how the people that were interacting with them and giving them, you know, having the meetings about nutrition and what they needed to be aware of didn't shame them. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that, and I know certainly with diabetics and, and whoever, you know, not shaming them for not knowing or even for knowing and still being in a situation where they needed medical inf- intervention because our diets can do so bad, so much bad to us. But, um, I don't think we often talk about how much good can be done, you know, and... Oh, definitely. And I think, you know, luckily with bariatric programs, and I don't know if a lot of people know this, they have to see a dietitian so many months before to have a clear understanding and get approval that they understand what their bodies will be going through. And there are five stages of a bariatric diet once after post-surgery. So it is quite a lot that, you know, patients have to take in. And some do become non-compliant at the Mm -hmm. end. And that is struggle sometimes in a hospital. You know, we're following up with patients as a, on the food service side and they're mad and they want things not allowed on their diet. (laughs) And it happens all the time. And we have to, you know, usually bring in a dietitian, explain to them, your doctor has you on this order and kind of go from there. But, you know, especially in very tough situations like that, you have to do as much education as you can. And the follow-up from the dietitian as well is very continuous. So are younger people more open to learning than maybe older generations? 
You know, I believe so, but I, I will say we've had a lot of really great feedback from the baby boomers. They've really, I think, also social media influence. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people are just kind of looking out at the new plant-based protein, Mediterranean diets. You know, there's all the different fads that have come through. And I really do think the younger ones, of course, you know, are always what's new. That's why we see all the, the mm-hmm. juice bars around town, and we, <laughs> you know, all the different new styles. And so definitely the youngins, but I think definitely even our baby boomers are younger than what they used to be. You know, back in the day, you know, it was hard to get my mom to have wheat bread. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, yeah. mom, come on, you know. And so now they're slightly incorporating, trying new things. So I think definitely is we've definitely had a big transition from our as we're elderly our elderly now to what they were maybe twenty years ago. Well, and I think one of the one of the big factors of that is just accessibility to that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember my parents; they just didn't have access to half the food that we have now. I mean, they had no idea what quinoa was, or you know, they didn't they, they didn't have seasonal vegetables as you know as available as we have now. And and we see that trend a lot with with restaurants. I'm sure you do too, as as just being a consumer. Also, we see it a lot um, on the on the school side um, with uh, how the cafeteria and the school food is kind of evolving into this sort of. A lot of customization modifications, a lot more fresh, a lot more seasonal. Um, I wonder if you could share any of your experiences with that in in the hospital healthcare side, um, either what you're doing or even on the retail side for for the people who maybe aren't in the hospital rooms but who are there visiting and, and still participating in, in the process. Yeah, definitely. On the patient side, actually, we've been incorporating more uh, vegetarian options as a standard because that's actually now become a diet. You know, I follow vegetarianism or for whatever reason. So we're actually putting that on menus and we have a lot of people who choose it, who like the lentils and, you know, want to just try these different varieties. Um, on the retail side, we've seen the salad bar, sandwich explosion, wraps, paninis, um, a lot of different global stations, you know, different themed ethnic cuisine, I think has really taken a, a large large, you know, huge um, markup right now, just everywhere, you know, in the grocery stores, restaurants, even in the hospitals. Um, One of our biggest things too now is bringing in the farmer's markets. That's something now in hospitals, um, on average, we've seen them quarterly and they've been great because really it kind of opens eyes to a lot of our employees and visitors. What is that vegetable? Like, I don't know what this is. I've seen it in the store and you have locals producing, you know, again, supporting local business. Um, the hospital sometimes might sell some things on the side as well to, to help as well on that part. But it's just kind of more nutrition education, healthy options. I can't say they're always healthy, though. I did hear tamales were at the last food, the little health <laughs> farmer's market. So can't say 100%. So when, when, you, when you say the farmer's yeah, market. healthy tamale, will you? <laughs> I work on it. I work on it. You know what's a healthy tamale? Half of a tamale. That's a healthy tamale. Control. That's, yeah. that's what we promote. Um, so can you talk, as, talk to us more about the farmer's market? Cause I don't, if, if I'm someone who's maybe going to be at a hospital um, as a patient or someone who's going to be visiting a patient at a hospital, what is, what is that experience as a farmer's market at the hospital? Well, unfortunately, it's not for the patients. Of course, if they're downstairs, we can't stop them from visiting. Sure. But um, it's really just to bring in out local vendors is what we've been able to do at a lot of our hospitals. And they kind of just help promote. I've seen, you know, just different health benefits, uh, natural honey, oil, you know, different things like that, vegetables, all, you know, approved vendors. Uh, usually our uh, produce vendors have been great resources to help contact other local vendors in Texas within the area from where they're at. And so they bring them in. And so it's been great. We usually just 
always do once a quarter, some healthy promotion. Sometimes I'll do cooking demos. So there's in the lobby, kind of with a little kiosk or something exactly, set up? Yeah, That's we awesome. Have, we, have one out, yeah. we have one outside uh, the cafeteria, one of our hospitals recently this week. Um, we've seen them in breezeways. The only thing, and of course, being in a hospital, we can only provide approved vendor food items for the patients. So, sure. we're, you know, so but cooking demos and outside things, you know, they strictly is complete, completely considered outside. So it doesn't affect the hospital. So patients, you know, they can go and have family members visit for them. Sure. But ultimately, you know, of course, it's just for, for safe, for safety for the patient. Yep. That's understood. Understood. I remember um, when my mother was in the hospital was she was she was actually at UTMB and um, right after the hurricane, they didn't have food service there because the, all that flooded, you oh, know, when they reopened. Yes, yes. Yeah. So um, I, you know, now I'm thinking what a challenge it must have been for the, there was limited options. Mm-hmm. They, they had patients, there were patients back in the hospital, but there was no food service. So it was being catered in. Um, wow. And I don't n- know the details, she was having a hard time eating. Her doctor, um, you know, went out, she goes, is it, what will you eat? You know, she had to put her on a medication to uh, make ace to make her, mm-hmm. make her eat. Make her eat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And she was like, well, I, I could eat some boiled shrimp. So her doctor went out and bought her some boiled shrimp. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and she started eating again. I don't yep. know what the, they, they were going to put a tube in her, oh, you know? Thing. Yeah. And yeah. you know, I will say I, I was very fortunate for all of our accounts when we, when Harvey hit all of our accounts ran the, their same menu. I was in shock that wow. they were able to pull off the same menu. And I went to relieve one of my managers who had been there for, I think, five, six days, you know, just locked down in the unit because I was flooded in. I couldn't go. So I finally went to relieve her. She's like a little walking zombie. I'm like, go, go home. It's okay. <laughs> like you're, yeah. you're okay. Yes. And she was just like, but, you know, her mission as a manager was to make sure those patients had the right food. And it, it was a very large hospital. It's about 200 bed hospital. Yeah. And they ran 100 percent. Yeah, and I said Harvey, I meant Ike, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yes, oh my gosh. It's it's, it's just, you know, they they know it's all hands on deck is our our slogan, and that's what, you know, we have to do to take care of the patients, and so it was hard to figure out. think about that, right? (laughs) They're still there. They're still in the hospitals. Hospitals do not shut down. You know, that's what we tell everybody, guys. We're a 24-7 operation. Yeah, yeah. Um, Well, I don't... uh, You you mentioned um, with the the hurricanes, uh, you're open all the time, um, and you mentioned... Uh, some things about the training as you've gotten into this side of the industry and, and grown in this side of the industry, what have been a couple of the biggest challenges that you've seen that you've, I wouldn't say you have to overcome, but just sort of some things maybe you weren't expecting to, that was sort of a part of the gig that you've sort of come across and said, wow, you know, I didn't realize this would be this big of a hurdle or putting a menu together would is way more complex than I thought it would be or, or whatever. I think definitely sometimes the units that we've um, gone into, it's, they want this very large scale menu, but I, I mean, sometimes your, your kitchen's the size of a closet is what it feels like. So I think sometimes the limitation of men, of equipment, storage to produce the menu that you envision for the hospital. So, um, we're a huge proponents. You always work with the client ahead of time, discuss, you know, what the goals are, what you see, and then kind of moving forward from there and being open and honest, you know, transparency is, I think is more appreciated. And that's one thing that will say, Hey, this is the menu I envision for you guys. However, due to these XYZ limitations, we might have to run this until we get to that point. And, you know, just being, I'm not going to promise the world. And then, you know, due to equipment challenges that I can't, you know, that I can't fix right, right away, I'm right. going to be open and honest with them about it. So 
some, you know, that's been probably some of the hardest hurdles is to say you can't do 100% right off the bat. Yeah. Because naturally you want to give them what you can as, as quick as you can. Managing expectations. We all, Always all have that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a wall is a wall until y'all can knock out a wall and give some more space for kitchen. Yeah. And uh, I think I think culturally with the menus, I, I find it a challenge and I find so yeah. much fun with it. Um, a lot of times I'll bring in a, a standard menu and then it takes time to really see how the, what works for the patients and working with the managers. And like I said, you know, how do we make healthy migas? And um, I have... You know, it's a Spanish-based menu. So how do we make Spanish food healthy? And it's not that hard, you know, it just took a little tweaking. And But you want to have the flavor profile still, too. So, you know, that's one thing. I'm, I'm very fortunate to work with a lot of great corporate chefs. And so that's what we kind of plan together. We, we work together and we look at the numbers and I'm like, ah, sodium's still too high. Sure. <laughs> you know, what can we oh, modify? Yeah. Wow, I didn't think about that. Yeah. So a lot of times when you're adding that flavor and that seasoning, it kind of can mess with the nutritionals. And so I still have to make re- meet regulations. Yep. I mean, for auditor reasons. And so it, it definitely becomes a team effort though. But I find it's, to me, it's a challenge, but it's kind of a fun challenge. Like I like exploring that and kind of finding the balance. And then when you see the patients, you know, and they're, you know, astonishment, like, wow, like this is a patient, this is a hospital menu. It's like, yeah, <laughs> it's kind of that, the win for us. But I find a lot of fun with it. I, did, I don't know why I did it. I've learned a lot. I could talk to you for a very long time, um, but I didn't understand how closely you would have to work with a chef because their training is totally, you know, they don't have to think about calories or, or nope. special diets no. or anything like that. So <laughs> I think I pop their bubble sometimes. Like, yeah. oh, I can tell I do. I'm like, I'm sorry, guys. But, we can't use four but, sticks of butter. <laughs> I know. It can't be that style of lubies. You know, it's got to be the healthier option. Yeah. But, yes. you know, it's, it's been really, it's been a lot of fun, though. And I think, you know, we challenge ourselves. You know, they'll challenge me. We ch- you know, I challenge them. And so it just becomes a fun team. Like yeah. I, say, I imagine that's half the, the fun of the dance of it all of is playing with the recipes and tweaking them a little bit here and there and can you still get the flavor that you want with using a different cooking technique or using a different type of seasoning or using an ingredient that maybe naturally is saltier but you're not using salt per se or you know something so I imagine that's fun partnering with the chefs to be able to do that. Yes, definitely. I find a lot of I find a lot of fun with it. And of course, they love to challenge it too. And they're like, "What about this or this?" And I'm like, and I'm very open minded. So I'm like, "Hey, put it in. Let's see what happens." You know. And I'm all about the numbers. If if you're if this diet, if the menu options can fit your diet, and you're on a very restrictive diet, I'm going to let you have it because you're going to go home and have the bacon anyway. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to teach you the healthier way to have it. Yeah. I, I imagine the, the chef they're like, okay, so instead of butter, just hear me out, bacon fat. No, it still doesn't work. Okay. Uh, That's if Carrie was a doctor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much uh, for, for chatting with us. Before we get out of here, we're going to do our fun segment, Fire the Board Questions, which are a series of rapid-fire questions uh, that we'll ask you. And uh, But we really thank you. You've really shown some insight uh, and helped educate us and hopefully all of our listeners on, on your side of the world. And uh, that's the, the main goal of this podcast is to connect everyone, educate everyone. So thank you. So uh, we will get started with our fun fire the board questions. So Carrie, why don't you lead it off with the first question? Chelsea, what's your favorite food? Italian. Italian. Do you have a favorite food within Italian food? Ooh, the hardwood. I'm, I'm Italian, but I'm blood too, so it's... <laughs> Beggars can't be choosers? I know. Okay. Like, just, oh, I just, like, I, my, my heaven. Just so you know, he is waiting for you to say pizza. 
Really? Yeah, I mean, if you did, that would be amazing. If not, then that's fine. We can still be friends. <laughs> yeah, no, like I said, I think it's just the... I was fortunate to go to Italy two years ago, and so to have authentic, I think it was lasagna and how different parts of Italy was more saucier than other parts. And it was, to me, those little things that I just kind of catch. I'm like, wow, it was cheesier in this part and, like, saucier in this part, you know. So for me, yeah, lasagna, probably if I had to pick one, because that's the one that always, when I go somewhere, it triggers they were all the same. That was just the wine you were drinking. You were, yeah, just you're like, whoa, this one tastes different. Okay, yeah. Okay, next next question. Uh, right now, what are you binge watching? Ooh, probably um, a million little things. I like drama. A million little things. Okay, a million little things. It's a tearjerker. I watched one episode. I was like, it's too much. It's too I much. I know. <laughs> it's too much. So, um, beer or wine? Wine, gotta stay with my Italian side. <laughs> Red or white? Red, cab. Wonderful, all right. <laughs> We're still friends. <laughs> Spoken like a true professional. Uh, you might have already answered this. What is your favorite vacation spot? Uh, out, outdoors, really, beaches. I'm all about the relaxation. Just kick back, relax. Tell okay. me when I have to go home. <laughs> so you don't, you don't want to have a schedule on vacation? Oh, Just no. give me a book and a beach or a pool? and Exactly. Okay. I always tell my husband, no Disney World. <laughs> we can totally vacation together. <laughs> uh, and, and, and I'll let you have your wine. I'll have my beer. And we'll just... Sit there, there on the beach go. and go. Share lasagna on, on the beach? Yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't love beach lasagna? Beach lasagna. <laughs> I love a good beach lasagna. <laughs> I can't stop. <laughs> I'm just picturing. First of all, you know, I'm from, <clears throat> uh, I've been in Galveston so much during summers and we would take snacks sand and everything. Oh, What sure. is going to happen to beach lasagna? Oh, just going to, yeah. <laughs> it's not going to be good. Might not be my favorite after that. No. Or the little carts they're pushing on there. <laughs> beach lasagna. Okay. You have to ask the next okay. question. Um, what, was the, um, what was the last great meal that you remember eating? Austin, actually. I was in Austin recently, and the food in Austin, oh my goodness, mm-hmm. sometimes it's just superb. And uh, next to the hotel, there was a restaurant that it was just like you just slapping the table like this could not be any better um i believe it was called second but it was right there oh, next yeah. to the marriott and just really flavorful just cooked to the tea like it was perfect it was beach lasagna wasn't it <laughs> okay road trip <laughs> okay now you can ask the question okay, no. oh my gosh oh my gosh uh oh yeah, yeah yeah what's the last good book that you read dare to lead book brown Brene Brown. Brown. She's awesome. She's like, yeah. Oh I my know. Gosh. I'm I'm listening to it again. I love so her. Good. Yeah. She's awesome. And she's from Houston. She is. I didn't know that. U of H. Really? She's a professor there. Yes. Oh, and yeah. a researcher. Yeah, Time to you need to go one. back to campus. I do. Seriously. I'll go just with you. Your... Let's just knock on her door. Hey Brene. We What's love your up? Books. <laughs> Can you sign our books? Do you want to go to the beach and have some lasagna? <laughs> <laughs> just beating that one into the ground. I don't know why. Peanut butter, crunchy or smooth? Smooth. Mm, all right. Coffee or tea? <laughs> Coffee. Actually, sitting here with a what's the venti. size twelve times bigger than a venti? With my venti coffee. Venti coffee. Never. No, always time for coffee. Always time. I didn't know it was in there. It could have been hot tea. It could have been. Yeah. Could have been. Uh, what was the last um, event that you attended? A sporting game, a theatrical play, a concert, something like that. George Strait at the rodeo. The rodeo. All right. I am Texas girl at heart, so 
he was great, really great performer. We just talked about that, about the, the Texas rodeo or Houston rodeo. Excuse yeah. me. Did y'all go? Houston rodeo. I hope so. Sorry. Um, I didn't get there this year. Aww. I didn't get there this year. Yeah, we have an episode. You can listen to the podcast episode. It was me trying to explain to Justin about the livestock show and rodeo, but I was doing it. <clears throat> Based on my experience years ago. So it's a different deal. It's so big. Now. I'm from the upper Midwest. So she was trying to get me cowboy boots <laughs> and um, just all, everything that goes around with it. And I said, hey, I'm, I'm open potentially, but, you know, it's going to be a baby step process. Aww. Yeah. Oh, you'll yes. love it. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So um, what's a, a song that you're embarrassed to admit that you listen to? You know, I will say I'm definitely the person you see in the car singing to herself, so I'm not... <laughs> uh, we saw you this morning, then. Yes, that was me. <laughs> like, all the way belting it out kind all of the deal? Way, I all love the way. it. But uh, my, my coworkers pick on me because they see me with headphones on, and they they kind of will guess my music. It's usually Pitbull Radio or anything country. Pitbull Radio? Pitbull Radio. Spotify. That's Texas. That is Texas. Texas, we can go... Yep. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure other people have diverse listening, but you got to have country in there. It's like... Ordering a Diet Coke after you get, you know, a hamburger and french fries at a drive through kind sure. of deal. You exactly. got to have your Pitbull yes. radio and George Strait. Okay. <laughs> yes. the, the treasure of Miami and then George Strait. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Last question. This is a bonus question. Uh, who do you think we should have on the podcast next? I would think chefs. I really think, you know, culinary chefs, you know, I think they're kind of like dietitians in a way that there's behind the scenes and, you know, as much as they're doing in the retail and the patient side as well. I think a lot of the expertise that we learn as dietitians, I've learned a ton from chefs and they kind of help make it look like not just healthy food. You know, what can we do to really spruce it up and make it enjoyable for the patient and the consumer? Yeah, that'd be cool. That's great. Maybe there's a, a chef that specializes in beach lasagna that we can have on. Bet you know somebody. I bet you do know somebody. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, we beat that joke into the ground. Uh, thank you so much, Chelsea, for joining us on this episode of the Food Service for Thought podcast. If you haven't had a chance, please subscribe, rate, and review. And we will be back in two weeks with another episode. Thanks. Have a great day. Thanks. Thank you.